This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! And welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 216, and tonight we are celebrating February Women in Horror Month by not only discussing one of my favorite villainesses of all times, and I'm talking about Rotom Penmark from The Bad Seed from 1956, but we're going to be discussing it with actress Alyssa Simon and writer-director Jesse Gata, who are also here to talk about their brand-new horror movie, The Moosehead, Over the Mantle. So you better be perfecting your curtsy, saving up your Excelsior, and for God's sake, hold on to that penmanship medal, because we are in for some super spooky fun. But first, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh, and for the next two hours or so, I'm going to be your guide to the weird and wonderful world of horror movies. But there's a catch. You're going to have to see them through my very, very gay little eyes. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know, but you're about to find out. What's been going on in Scream Queen's headquarters? All right, let's get it out of the way. Dun dun, smoochy watch, yada da da da. What's going on with that cat? Ram, absolutely nothing. Smoochy's been fine. After her last little incident where she shredded her tail beyond all recognition, she has been quiet and she has been good. The last time the vet tech came to visit, and changed her bandage. She said that all of that damage that she did has healed incredibly quickly, so hooray for that, and everything has been fine on the kitty cat watch. Okay, that takes care of Smoochie. Aside from that, February has been a really rough month here at Scream Queen's headquarters. I got the flu once, but possibly twice. I spent two weeks, two completely separate weeks, absolutely useless, and it really hurt the show, it hurt everybody over at the Patreon feed, everything has been really wonky, and I apologize for that, but I'm feeling a million times better, and I better be, because there's tons of stuff going on. Of course, the big news is my show, The Underpants Cadeau, which I've done twice before, is coming back for a very limited run, I believe from March 11th through the 13th at the Secret Theater in Long Island City, and coincidentally... The show has been loaded with Underpants Godot alumni. The past few episodes, we had the playwright Duncan Flaster as star Mark Eugene Garcia. And this episode, we have Alyssa Simon. This was all put into effect before this announcement of Underpants Godot was made. So it is as big a shock to me as anybody else that things all worked out in such a synchronistic matter, and I think that's pretty cool. So if you have not seen the Underpants Godot yet, and you're in the New York area, I would say this is your chance to do it. 
possibly your last chance. So look up the Secret Theater, do a Google on Underpants Cadillac. We're putting a link in the show notes and come see me in my underwear. And less. <laughs> the other big news is I am now affiliated with a new site or, or, or program called Radio Public. Now, Radio Public is a new, free, and easy-to-use app that's available on both Android and iOS. And when you use it, it helps listeners like you find and support shows like Scream Queens. Because when you listen to my show or any of your favorite shows on Radio Public, everybody benefits. Because Radio Public is it's, it's powered by bona fide podcast geeks, and they've got extensive experiences in like public and not-for-profit media. And their whole thing is making sure podcasters get paid for their work without having to you know, try to hunt down sponsors all the time who can be persnickety and weird for niche shows like mine. So just by downloading the Radio Public app and listening to the show through that, you will help raise money for Scream Queens or whatever show you find in there. So please check that out. Like I said, it's available at the at the uh, Google Play Store or you know on the Apple Store. You know, find it, download it, check it out, and help support your favorite podcasts, including this one, Radio Public. Check it out, yo! And of course, wonderful, wonderful news: the amazing Mr. Brett has finally reassembled my desktop computer, so I am back on my grown-up unit. Please don't talk about your grown-up unit, Patrick. Shut up. You know what I mean. So this session with Jesse and Alyssa is the first time I'm recording on my computer again with my grown-up professional podcasting microphone. And the thing is, which is amazing, I'm so out of practice from doing this that I have actually put on my crappy headset mic to record this part right now because I'm not used to working with my grown-up microphone again. And, of course, there were some problems with the recording because it's been so long since I've used my grown-up professional microphone that I forgot how to use it. I'm used to wearing a headset mic, so I'll be doing other things while I'm talking, while I'm recording. But with my professional grown-up thing, I have to sit and talk directly into it, into the pop filter and shit, and I forgot. I forgot how to do it. I forgot how to microphone just like a drunken zombie. So... My audio part might be a little wonky this episode, but I think I've fixed most of it. But just know that we have achieved a new level of professionalism that has not been on the show for well over a year. So editing has been easy. Everything has been so much easier now that I'm not doing it on a crappy laptop. So thank you to the amazing Mr. Brad for doing that. And thank you to everyone at Patreon for help raising the funds to get all the new uh, hardware and software that I needed to get everything back up to date. Because now I'm finally on Windows 10 like a grown-up person and everything is just super groovy. So hooray for that. So we're going to have a celebration this month on Patreon. What we're going to do, I'm not sure yet, but I have to say thank you for all to all of you over there for helping me get back to where I need to be. Get back to where I once belong. I'm not going to sing any more of that because they'll make me pay for it. So, yeah, I've been sick for a long time, which means I've been watching a lot of TV. And I have to say, a lot of it has been garbage. But the one thing that has risen through the ranks 
as something not to miss is Inside Number 9, which is a BBC series which is currently screening on Shudder, and it's also on Hulu. And if you're watching it on Hulu, you actually get two seasons of it, whereas on Shudder, you only get one. Now, the whole thing with this, it's an anthology series. Every story is different. It's these dark, comic, sinister, but yet really funny stories, all of which take place in something labeled with the number nine. It might be a house. It could be a storage compartment. It could be just about anything. But I love it. It's really funny. It's really dark. It's making me very happy. My personal favorites are the first two of the first season, which are Sardines. First episode is called Sardines. And if you don't know the game Sardines, it kind of helps because when I showed it to Brad, he didn't know it. It's like hide-and-seek for British people. But the whole thing is when you find somebody, you have to go in and hide where they are. It's the whole thing. By the end of the game, you've got like 25 people hiding in one very teeny tiny space, and let's say this game of sardines goes very, very bad very, very quickly. But even before it goes bad, it's brilliantly funny. Like, wicked, wicked British play on manners and society and language and just dealing with people you hate in a very teeny tiny enclosed space. And the other one is called The Quiet Night at Home, which is a silent farce which I about an art robbery, and it is so funny and absolutely ridiculous, and you love it. So by all means... Stop what you're doing. Go check out Inside Number 9. If you don't have Shudder, go check it out on Hulu because this is some of the best horror comedy stuff I've seen in a long, long time. So go do that. I don't think there's really anything else we need to get into at this point because, like I said, February has been rough. I've been just laying around like a slug for the most part and sweating getting episodes out to you. But I'm doing that right now, so let's stop the sweating and get down to the party. Let's get down to the party. We're going to bring on Alyssa Simon and Jesse Ghana and talk about the bad seed. Hold on a second. I just got to put some crinolines on under my skirt. Since February is Women in Horror Month, it seems absolutely appropriate that the movie that I have chosen for this episode is, well, it features one of my favorite villainesses of all time. And coincidentally, the people that I asked to guest on this show are also women currently involved in the horror industry. One is an actor who I have worked with several times. You know, we have been involved in a dramaturgy death match all the way to battling off little boys pooping on the streets of Chinatown while wearing super stinky costumes. And the other one is the writer-director who put her on screen in her latest horror movie, even though I had to find out about the movie through Facebook and not from her personally. But am I insulted? No, I'm not, because... Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am thrilled to introduce to you Alyssa Simon and Jesse Gotta. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Alyssa's one of these people I never thought would be on this show. As a matter of fact, for those of you who've been listening for a long time, Alyssa Simon worked with me all the way back in the days of the Ryan case and most recently in the Underpants Godot. But instead of me rambling on about Alyssa, why don't we have Alyssa tell everybody about Alyssa? Hi. Okay. So I'm really excited about doing Underpants Godot again. 
which yes. is great. Yes, and that, I'm really happy to. I'm sorry, I don't mean to talk off you. That news just broke right after Duncan was on last episode. So we're having a very underpants season. On Good doey. Yes. I'm sorry, I will not interrupt you again, putting my hand over my mouth. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Um, right, so we met during the Ryan case. I have no memory of a little boy pooping in front of me. Or a little oh, well, girl. That just happened all the time down there. Because we're doing Chinatown, <laughs> and it is the custom that you know kids just run around and poop and pee wherever they are. And that's totally no, I, fine. And that would I happen sometimes. You'd be doing, you'd be doing your, your thing with the guests, <laughs> and all of a sudden some kid would just poop in front of you. Wow. And then you're stuck there. And occasionally I would try to make it a clue for later <laughs> groups. The poo clue. We're not talking about that. Anyway, Alyssa is an extremely hardworking actor in New York City. I'm very excited to have her on the show. I thought she was too classy to be on this until she went and did a horror movie herself. Yeah. It was a classy horror movie. Oh. She, no, she's done other horror movies for me. They that are all, equally classy. They ain't all More classic. secrets. Yep. More secrets. See, you just have this whole life I don't even know about you, Alyssa. Oh, my God. The painful, the pain, the pain, the betrayal. <laughs> I'll get you back on stage. Uh, <laughs> you always do. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, so the movie that Alyssa has just uh, appeared in is called The Moosehead mm-hmm. Over the Mantle. And not only do we have Alyssa, we have the super talented person who directed that movie sitting right next to her, and that would be Jesse Gata. Yay! One of the directors. There are actually six directors on the film. I'm sorry, are they here right now? No, no they are not. <laughs> Jesse no, Gata wrote, directed, and did all the and parts by it. herself. <laughs> I did write it. It is my fault. So, yes, you can blame me. Uh, so, could you tell everybody a little bit about the moose head over the mantle? Because uh, it, it, it's Let's just say it's not on everybody's radar yet. It will be now. <laughs> but first, let's take a listen to the trailer. We had the freaking jackpot this house. Ridiculous. Why would anyone just board it up and let it go? I didn't even know it existed until Mom offered it up. What the hell is that? This is your family. (laughs) You are related to some gnarly motherfuckers. Back to your visit. I, the ever-weary traveler, am simply in search of a place to lay my head. This has not been a boarding house in some time now, Pop. Uh, Mr. Lewis, will you be joining us? Yeah. Proceed. Word, his mum was unwell and had to leave us a bit sooner than expected. Oh, that is too bad. But I thought his mum had already passed. Oh? This is what I come from, Jay. And it explains a whole hell of a lot. There's gotta be someone in your family you can ask. Mm-hmm. They're all dead. It just, well, we just started festival season with it, and we've been in, I don't know, four festivals so far, and what we, a lot. And <laughs> and uh, just recently kicked up, we just got into two more festivals uh, Midwest Weird Fest. 
and uh, what's the other one that we just got into? Uh, uh, Twisted Dreams Festival in, in Milwaukee. Nice. So we're just kicking into full like festival season and then wrapping around to Halloween of next year. So fingers crossed we keep on getting into them. Excellent, excellent. And Jesse, could you tell everybody what the movie is about? Um, well, uh, the movie is a, it's basically a story of a family, one family, bloodline, the Hoffines family over the course of a hundred years, watching generation after generation of violence and abuse, basically just living in the house with those people for a hundred years, one room watching that family for a hundred years, uh, from the 1880s to the 1980s. And the 1980s kind of goes in between each section and all the different generations are kind of layered in to tell the story of the, the 1980s family doesn't know anything about this sordid history at all. The mom of the couple finds out about her family history and they have a son who's already like kind of displaying antisocial behavior. And then she's finding out all this stuff about her own family history. And it's what do you do with that information when you find that all out and your child is behaving this way. So that's pretty much the film. And Alyssa is in it in the 1900 section. Mm -hmm. And she is amazing as Lady Anna. But this is like a whole generations of families of psychopaths and cheats and con artists. Oh, yeah. We go to the extreme. It's not just psychopathology (laughs) and yeah, Yeah. (laughs) bad, bad people. Yeah. A lot of bad people. Uh, a lot of them in one family. And the one witness to all this, these years and years of crimes is the moose head over the mantle. <laughs> yeah, pretty Hence much. The title. Now, Jesse and Alyssa were kind enough to give me a screener, which I watched last week. And I have to say, I was blown away. Yay. All right. What is it, 90 minutes? Yeah, about that. You were able to get so much layered history from all from each of this eras that the horrible things are happening with this family so much of it and it's not linear it, yet it doesn't feel overstuffed it's, okay good <laughs> you, well it is confusing at first it's deliberately confusing for a while i was sweating i'm like i'm going to need i'm going to need a flow chart and, and, and you know to call uh, ancestry.com but then all of a sudden i'm like oh, oh that's who that oh that's who that is. Oh, oh, that. Oh, and things start to reveal themselves the as the movie goes on. And I thought it was astounding, particularly for the way it's shot as well. Because for the most part, uh, it's well, no, for the whole part, it's all in one room. Yep, mm-hmm. it's all in one room of and the house. A lot of the camera work seems to be coming from the various dead animal eyes. Yep. It's pretty much all the victims of the family. So any of the taxidermy animal heads or someone who's just about to become a victim of ah, one of the Hoffinses. See, that I didn't catch. Yes. Okay, Snuck that good. one past you. No, no, no. I wouldn't have been able to put a name on it because I know sometimes it wasn't, but now I know why it wasn't that. Now Isn't feels... there a view from the floor with dead um, who my sons kill? Well, we don't want to give that away. Spoiler alert. Oh, jeez. I'm sorry. Heavens. Didn't we just watch the the, bad scene? From the tea party scene where they (laughs) had cake. Where they had had cakes and dainties. Yes, exactly. And everyone was knitting. And somebody dropped a 
spoon and you see a I view never mind. No, no. I, I, but I just getting back to the movie, I just love this growing sense of dread. Like out of the confusion, as you start to piece things together, you think you'd be relieved. Oh, I'm finally figuring out what's going on. No, I'm not relieved because it just keeps getting worse and worse yeah. and worse yeah. and worse and worse. And I loved it. It was a, a very fresh take on what's going on in horror right now. Everything is very much uh the same yeah. out there right now. And this goes in a very different direction. I love a movie. I love a movie that challenges its watchers to not be playing on your phone or doing mm, It does do that. You have to actually watch this movie because it will lose you. Just not because of so many characters because sometimes horrible things happen like that out of the blue. And I'm not talking jump scares. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's a slow burn. It's a nice slow burn. Let's just say, I hope it had, is anyway. had I picked up my drink from the table about three seconds sooner, I would have completely missed what happened after you grab his feet. I'll grab his legs. Oh, would yeah. Have missed it completely. That's, yeah, that would be a shame to miss. And as a result, <laughs> I spilled my drink. So, <laughs> like, holy shit, what, 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 what? I turn away from one second movie. One second. And this is an inside joke, but the movie's starting, and we're in the, uh, the first, what, the 1880s? Is that when it is? When it starts? Mm-hmm. And rising from the bottom of the screen is this wonderful well, mass, this mass of curly hair. And I'm like, oh, it's Alessa. There she goes. It was it. <laughs> and I got mad at the movie. How dare well, you have a fake Alyssa in here? But then I'm like, oh, okay, it is Alyssa, but it's It not. is Alyssa. It technically is Alyssa. So. And I'm just glad that you're able to find someone to play young versions of Alyssa with her, you know, signature. Massive. Massive. Hair. Right? Lovecraftian hair. <laughs> yeah, no, the cast is perfect. Everybody, yeah. yeah. Everyone did a really good job. All the directors are great. Yeah, and the reviews I've been reading have been really good from sources I would not expect. Like some of the horror sites that I look at, yeah. some of them, you know, could be a little, you know, Jason's awesome and there were boobs. Yeah, and that's exactly. All they need. And yet hmm. I've been seeing stellar reviews from them and I'm very impressed. I think this, you know, this film is a little bit of a challenge to, you know, the norm. Who's norm? It's, it, is that another yeah. character? Did you write somebody else in? <laughs> Surprise. Norm. Sorry. She's not back now. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> and what I said to Alyssa after I finished the movie and was watching the bad scene, I said, oh, my goodness. I just realized that this movie makes a perfect tie-in with the bad seed that I did not even plan. So not only I did I – you picked it. Yeah, we no. totally thought that you had picked it after seeing. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, let's, let's go with that. Okay. Genius. <laughs> Brilliant. I, you, do you know how much you know, uh, kismet and synchronicity just happens here? <laughs> this is one of those times. Make <laughs> the perfect movie with the perfect guests during the perfect month. So let's party. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, <laughs> we are going to talk about one of my favorite movies of all time, and that is The Bad Seed from 1956. Let's take a listen to the trailer. She might get kind of lonesome when that soldier boy has gone. I wish she were mine. Every time I look at her, I wish I had just such a little girl. This has been a terrible tragedy for Mrs. Daigle as she's lost her only child. That know it all, Monica Breedlove. I don't think nobody knows anything but her. 
He has the mind of an eight-year-old, but he's managed to produce a family, so I keep him on. Give me those shoes back. Oh, no, I've got them shoes here where nobody but me can find them. Better give me those shoes, they're mine. Give them back to me. I believe you did it. What'll you give me if I give you a basket of kisses? <laughs> I'll give you a basket of hugs. <laughs> I'll miss your hugs. <laughs> Well, I'm not letting the slightest degree. Really knows what she's told of you. Don't mind me being presumptuous. I had a long talk with that guard since I saw you last. And that was a long, interesting conversation. He said he saw Rhoda on the pier just before Claude was found among the pilings. She owes something all right. Did you have anything? I don't care how small it was. Did you have anything to do with the way Claude got drowned? What makes you ask that, Mother? Now, look me in the eye and tell me the truth, because I must know. No, Mother, I didn't. You're not going back to the Fern School next year. They don't want you anymore. Okay. I'm going to call Miss Fern and have her come over here. You think I lied to you her? You did lie to her. But not to you, Mother, not to you. You know something? Miss Fern dyes her hair. And Rhoda's a sweet, perfectly sound little girl. Is she father, is she? Hi, Daddy. Next to Daddy, you lift me up best. Look at me. I just want to see your face. <sighs> okay, so since you two are the guests. It is your job. It could be one of you. It could be both of you. It is your job to give me a nice 30-second elevator speech plot summary of The Bad Seed. Oh, wow. I thought you said a plot summary. <laughs> I'm going to fall down. Okay. No. I can give you a text. And then... <laughs> Here's that. the plot. <laughs> Shixes. All right. Hey. <laughs> Christine, what a dope. Um, so, plot summary. A plot summary. I can give you a super short one. That's what we're looking for. Super, super short one. Uh, you're lucky I haven't started the clock yet because I would have buzzed the hell out of you. Right okay. All right. All right. All right. This um, is a competition I'm... and this will not be edited to make you look good. Okay. Um, uh, stolen from IMDb a little bit. <gasps> a little bit. A little bit. Don't judge me. Um, a housewife suspects that her seemingly perfect eight-year-old daughter is a... Heartless, cold killer. Boom. Wackiness Summer. ensues. Wackiness ensues, exactly. I like to, I like to refer to this movie as the film that turned penmanship into a blood sport. <gasps> Ooh, yeah. Boom. <laughs> Boom curtsy, man. <laughs> Take that, I, think... I have always loved this movie. It is a family favorite. I remember my mother being very excited it was coming on TV and making sure I stayed up to watch it with her. Huh. Oh, I watched this when I was a little kid, too. When it came on, like, TBS or something, TBS or AMC when I was little, uh -huh. I would, like, and it came on, like, every year, and I would, I would like, I, I was pulled in by those bangs, those bangs and that white, blonde, scary hair and those tight braids. Mm -hmm. Like, I was just drawn to her. Mm -hmm. well, I was drawn to her when I was eight years old and couldn't look away. 
But I remember like every like first time just watching it, I just paid attention to like her hair or something. And then I started really watching it year after year. And then my parents got concerned. <laughs> well, she can't be a bad seed. Look at look at Rhoda's hair. Look at Alyssa's hair. They're not, they're not the same. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was Jesse, by the way. <laughs> OK, I'm going to have to learn how to tell you apart. <laughs> see, I'd be able to do that if you were on different Skype accounts, but now you see you're peeking behind the curtain. And uh-huh. All you girls sound alike anyway. That's true. Mm, you know all those vaginas. Ugh, they all sound the same. Really? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, they sound like that. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. <laughs> Ribbit. <laughs> Mine smokes cigars. Hi. Yes, yeah, so The Bad Seed from 1956, it was based on a novel, and it was also a hit Broadway play. Right. And what is unusual for a Hollywood movie is that they brought the whole Broadway cast to be in the movie. Which I think was a good idea. And you can tell by their acting. Yeah. Yeah, well, but, that is one of the complaints I hear from the younger folk when they watch the it's movie. It's not a complaint. Say, why is everybody so big and goofy? I said, well, they're theater people. That's why. But also, like, that is the style of acting of the time, yeah, really. but even then, it's you like, it's like that plus. I mean, I, I, would, I would love to see, like, like, Vivian Lee punch herself in the ovaries during... <laughs> oh, my God. Win. We talked about that. <laughs> Ugh. But it's little things like that. I said, that would have been brilliant on stage, but on film, it's like, I just watched you punch yourself in the ovaries. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that stink eye that kid gives after, like, that uh-huh. one, like... Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, so I just want to take a minute to talk about the cast a little bit because they're, they're, they're all really fabulous. Um, what I did not know, what I did not realize that Patty Hormick mm-hmm. plays the bad seat, uh, Rhoda, has worked constantly since then. I thought she did this and disappeared. Oh, no, I looked at her. Yeah, I had to look her up after we watched this. And she played a psychotic mother in a film too, yes, right? But I don't yes, know yes, mom and mommy's day. And they, they promoted it. They tied yeah. it with the bad seat and all that stuff. They tried to. Yeah, like. And of course, it was the 80s, so everyone's like, who? All these 13-year-olds are in the movie. I'm like, who? Who? Does she get her boobs out? She might. Do I don't know. I haven't is? seen the movie. Nancy Kelly plays the mom, uh, mm-hmm. Christine, in this. And I think she's, even though she's a little big, I think she's flawless. Oh, yes, darling. I love that little break in her voice. Yeah. And there's a sexy little, like, creaky thing that she has. So yeah. Like, and that she can make, like, nine syllables out of her daughter's name. Rhoda. Rhoda. That's why a kid grew up crazy. It's like, just say my name. <laughs> yeah. I think she's great. Like, there, we'll get to the plot things in general, but there are moments where she, as she's discovering things, where she makes choices that are not obvious. And I'll just give you one now. It's when she realizes what her real name is. <gasps> and she repeats the last name and she doesn't like scream it or cry it. She freaking hisses it. It's coming back to me now, Ingo. Ingo. Ingo Danker, she's called. Danker! <laughs> oh, yeah. Which Danker, I think is a brilliant Danker, choice. Danker, Danker, Danker. And what was the first name? Alana, Ella, Ella. Uh, like, she was a little Russian child. Ingor. Ingor. What the hell is or that? Swedish? Ingor. Igor. Her name was Igor. Ingo, that sounds like a scary Scandinavian <laughs> she child. She was precious little hunchback we ever found. I know that. <laughs> adopted right away. Anyway, found we're getting ahead of the only... We couldn't resist her. Uh, <laughs> but the performance in this that just absolutely slays me every time I see it 
is Eileen Heckard. Eileen Heckard, yes. As yes. Mrs. Dale. Yes. Uh, that performance and- is perfection. May I call you Christine? Oh, I'm quite aware you come from a higher level of society. <laughs> you probably made a debut, all that. I always considered Christine a gentle name. Hortense sounds fat. <laughs> That's me, Hortense. My girl Hortense, they used to sing of me. Hasn't got much sense. Let's write her name on the privy fence. Children <laughs> can be nasty, don't you think? And Jesse said you were looking at her uh, her bio and she had an alcoholic mother? Yeah, I, I had to look her up on Wikipedia after watching this again. And I was like, okay. And then looking up, like, she had, out, like, her whole thing on Wikipedia was about, like, her, like, sordid childhood and having an alcoholic mom. And I was like, oh, she brought that to this. Because even though it's a little bit big and, a, and presentational, it still has, like, this really uncomfortability to it that feels too real. Yeah. Like, when she does a close talker thing to yeah. people, yeah. it's like, oh, God, no, no, you experience that. That's something that you're pulling from, girl. And, so needy and, and so claustrophobic. And... on a dime. Yes. Emotionally without <laughs> warning. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which you would think as an act to be like, oh, it's I'm a drunk, everything's slow. No, 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 no. I've had yeah. I have relatives with alcohol problems, and I know all of a sudden that when that snap happens, mm-hmm. it's like switch, switch in the brain is hit, and then boom, next thing, boom, next thing. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And she nailed all of it. And the thing that I love about this performance is that it's also really funny. Mm-hmm. Yes. And mm-hmm. heartbreaking at the same time. And I don't know how you do that. I saw a screening of this at um, Chelsea Classics, which. Uh, had a lettuce just screenings of classic movies and sometimes she'll talk oh, through them. But it's even when she doesn't, it's fun. It's uh, fun to see these old movies with a gay audience. He's, uh, cause he spot things you didn't notice before mm-hmm. and things like that. And when Mrs. Dangle, Mrs. Daigle, 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 Daigle I think so, yeah. has her first scene. Everybody's laughing really hard, laughing, laughing, laughing. And I'm like, Oh, they're not going to respect her. They're in that frame of mind. But mm. then they went with that turn at the end of the scene, and when she left at the end of both of her scenes, she got a standing ovation in a movie theater mm. after she's been dead for 30 years. Yep. Mm. Yep. Yeah. I can see you playing that role, Miss Simon. <laughs> yes. that I said that too. <laughs> we agree on everything. It's a match. Yeah, I was, <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Mazel tov. I just well, ended. let's bring it back to the stage, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> Excellent. Don and Don. Yeah, and I mean, we could talk about the rest of the cast, but nah. Let's, <laughs> it's really, <laughs> well, actually, no, the other person I do want to talk about is uh, Henry Jones, who plays their okay. uh, janitor, groundskeeper. Leroy. Oh, Leroy. Leroy. Who, another performance that's over the top, should be dumb with all the hickey language, but isn't. And this right. guy, again, had a fantastic career, worked in everything as late as arachnophobia in the 90s, and he must have been 3,000. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. That's right. He is an arachnophobia. Oh, my God. Is he the one that, that dies with his wife while they're watching Wheel of Fortune? Yes. <laughs> yes, I think so. Oh, my God. I'm just flashing to it in my brain. Which oh is my how God. my parents yeah. would go, by the way. Not with the spiders, but it will involve Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> Okay, so we open into this perfect, seemingly little family. We have Christine. We have her husband, whose name I don't know. He's the colonel who's never there. His job is to not be there, like a man, mm-hmm. during a crisis, not to be there. And their daughter, Rhoda, who by all appearances is absolutely perfect. 
Right. Everybody loves Rhoda. She never does anything wrong. Everything (laughs) she does is absolutely perfect. Always so polite. Always well dressed. And I personally, I I was a kid. I mean, I have to. Kill her. <laughs> You're making I mean, the she's creepy polite. Right. She's so creepy yeah. polite. Like my first note. Well, my first note, like in watching the entire movie, is first off, ew, um, because of the whole like daddy goodbye thing. Because her father is going away at the top of the oh, movie. Yeah. He's going to be gone for like five weeks or something, and she goes to say goodbye to to daddy. Uh, even saying it like that makes me cringe. I'll take my goodbye present here now. What do you give me if I give you a basket of kisses? I'll give you a basket of hugs. I'll miss your hugs. I'll miss your kisses, Daddy. You're so big and strong. See my effect on girls? But, like, it's just, I don't know, the basket of kisses and basket of hugs thing. And they just, like, they hug too long and their faces are too close and her skirt is too short. It's just this weird sexualization of this eight-year-old girl that like just keeps on happening throughout the film. That's just really, it's very dated, but just completely gross. But like, really blatant with the brother. Like when the brother picks up her little oh, braid. Oh God, and says, no, 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 that's, yeah, there's yeah. a Like even Christine picks up on it and says, time to go. Yeah, the criminologist tasker uh, towards the end of the film, yeah. not to See, jump around too I, much. Yeah, no, I, yeah, uh, yeah, that's fine. No, we, we jump around here, jump around, jump around, and I'll be playing all the clips <laughs> of this as well. But yeah, I, I caught that this time with the who is it that does that with the braid flip? It's the it's Reggie. It's Re- yeah the crime the, the crime, crime author and it yeah, is an innocent statement. Yeah. Well, isn't she a little sweetheart? Thank you. That's the kind of thing that makes an old bachelor wish he were married. Oh, you like little girls to curtsy? The best thing left out of the Middle Ages. <laughs> I'm having dinner upstairs. The loss is ours, all ours. You may go now, Rhoda. She's going to make some man very happy. Oh, no, I remember. Oh, she says to him, he's like, oh, a curtsy, uh, something about it. And she goes, oh, you like it when little girl, you like it when your little girl's curtsy. And it's like, ew, gross. Uh And then he picks up her braid. Yeah. And then he says something about regretting being a bachelor when you see something like that. And she's going to make someone a good wife one day. It's like, oh, Oh. fucking gross, dude. Ew. Keep those comments to yourself. Uh That's just But I like that she responds with whipping that braid back in place. Yeah. (laughs) That is not where that goes, sir. But this is what I love about Rhoda. And I think this is why, like, the play doesn't get produced very often. To find a kid. Yes. Mm-hmm. able to pull off this level of deception and yeah. manipulation and manipulation and how she's I, I don't think you ever see Rhoda's true face except for rage, rage. yeah when yeah. she gets super mad when, when she t- says and so I hit him again and so I hit him again try to run away from me so I hit him with my shoe again but he kept on crying and making a noise I was afraid somebody would hear him, so I kept on hitting a mother. It's like that's the the all the face coming off, and what's left is just pure id rage, entitlement, awfulness, mm-hmm. and that I thought was brilliant to access that. I've heard people who watch the movies say, oh, "I can't stand her. She's so big and she's so phony and so acty schmack." They said that's the point. She's I thought acting. she was the most natural one in there. But no, but when she's got it on thick, I've got the most 
beautiful mother. mother. I want to go sit by the arbor. It's an act. Right. She's manipulating. I mean, she, that's what she's doing as her little like psychopath self is, Uh is manipulating those around her. Uh That's what I get all the gifts I want. (laughs) I can do anything I want. Nobody pays any attention to anything I do. As long as I have this whole fucking game on, if they get too close, I turn it on thick. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I play the little girl. Uh-huh. I play with my, you know, with my established, like what I'm expected to be is this kind of, you know. And the older women give it that advice to each other, too. Like Miss Fern says to Christine, you have a crease in your brow. You should smile more often. You're much more prettier. Well, Miss Fern dyes her hair. What does she know? Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, bitch. But the women tell each other to do the same thing, to just just smile be, and keep going. Be a good girl. Be a good girl. Be a good there girl. was a point really early on where uh, Monica, the upstairs neighbor. Oh, Monica, what have you given her now? <laughs> it's a pair of dark glasses to keep the sun out of those pretty blue eyes and the rhinestones to frame them in. My, my, who is this glamorous Hollywood actress? Who I like them. Did you ever hear about spoiling people? Nonsense. Now, here's something else. This was given to me when I was eight years old. It's a little young for me now. (laughs) But it's still just right for an eight-year-old. However, there's a garnet set in it, so we'll have to change that for a turquoise, since turquoise is your birthstone. Could I have both stones? The garnet, too. Rhoda, Rhoda, what a way to behave. Why, certainly you may, of course. How wonderful to meet such a natural little girl. She knows what she wants and she asks for it. Not like these over-civilized little pets that have to go through analysis before they can choose an ice cream soda. (laughs) Monica is one of the things I can't stand about the movie. I love her but hate her. I mean, she just enters and info dumps. Like, I mean, she just enters. She just walks right in. And yeah. she's so she big and she's so yeah. loud and she's like, you're so stupid. Like, you are the blindest person here and psychoanalyzing everybody. Busy body, busy body. Can't stand her. But uh, one of her first interactions with Rhoda, she was saying how pretty she looked and how Rhoda always mm-hmm. likes to wear dresses after she gave a perfect curtsy because they're going, oh, she's going to the picnic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all the I other just, kids were wearing dungarees, but not my Rhoda. Rhoda never wears dungarees because I guess she feels the dresses are more ladylike, and Rhoda made a face. Darling, I know I'm behind the times, but I thought children wore blue jeans or play suits to picnics. Now you, my love, look like a princess in that red and white dotted Swiss. Tell me, aren't you afraid you'll get it dirty or that you'll fall and scuff those new shoes? (laughs) She won't soil the dress and she won't scuff the shoes. Rhoda never gets anything dirty, although how she manages it, I don't know. I don't like blue jeans. They're not... You mean blue jeans are not quite ladylike, don't you, my darling? (laughs) Oh, you sweet old-fashioned little dear. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I said, ooh, I never caught that before. I said, okay. So she wears dresses for her own damn reason. It has nothing to do with acting like a lady. Right. Nope. It's, it's manipulation. It's using well, that. neat freak, and also she likes nice things. And if I look better oh, than yeah, everybody right. else, look richer and more yep. proper, this is all kind of – nothing to do with being a lady. Because Narcissism, a lady never takes OCD. off her shoes. That's something I was taught. Oh. oh. And Rhoda well, took off her shoes. <laughs> yes, she did. And she doesn't like being pawed. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like being touched. 
<laughs> no, no, she doesn't. No, she, <laughs> no, she doesn't. The thing that is, watching it now, I get a bit uncomfortable because there is in my family, uh, my nephew, and I've talked about him on the show before. Uh, my sister, who was in an abusive relationship with a with a with a drunk, who she later divorced, but then she came down with cancer, and there was all this other stuff happening. That in the midst of all that, her son never really got diagnosed with the psychological problems that was very clear that he had. Mm. He's her. Mm. He's not as good as Rhoda, but it's the mm-hmm. same kind of narcissism, sociopathic. Nobody has any feelings but me he actually has a book available on amazon right now where <laughs> about him murdering everybody in the family by name to get our inheritance by oh yeah you can buy that right now oh. and my dad said what a fun work of fiction i said you do not see what he's doing oh. <laughs> wow he shows up he starts bickering between family members starts splitting people apart splitting people apart splitting people apart and then he's right there He's, yep. he's still invited to the holidays? By my dad. My dad loves him. Everyone else is seeing through this bullshit. Oh, yeah. He's invited to the holidays. Wait. I'm not. Thank you, Alyssa. What? Oh, wow. I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah, because he's not gay like me. He's not love. a gay writer. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's my family. But anyway, no. So just watching oh. some of the similarities, I'm like, yeah, that's him. I see the same games. He did the same thing like he would talk in a, when he talked to my sister. It was always in this affected little cutesy voice, even when he was like 19. Ugh. And I get it with her. She just couldn't deal. She had other things going on. I don't blame her. But yeah. by the time he was – we just kind of ran out of time. He was, out, he was you know, off in college by the time she passed away, and, and you can't mm. really force him to go to anything now for help but anyway are we talking about him no well, i mean like they but i mean they really don't even have that much treatment options for that because there's even like battles about like whether or not you want to like determine if a child is you know displaying psychopathic behavior at a young age because also like narcissism and that kind of behavior is also what children do yes so it's hard to figure out that dividing line they don't even have like a real test yet to define it clearly in children Sorry, there's a lot of research that is stuck in my brain from doing Moosehead, from writing Moosehead, mm-hmm. so it occasionally will fall out of my face. But, yeah, no, it's just very – all of that is very – all that research on that is just extremely interesting. And if somebody has a borderline personality, it's extremely hard to treat because they are incredibly manipulative. Yeah. And they're not really open to talk therapy or I don't, I don't know what – And that's different than a chemical imbalance. Right. You know, it's different than something you can actually, you know, test. Yeah. yeah. I think a good test is if you set your janitor on fire. Yeah. True. McDonald, McDonald triad. Yeah. But what uh, I remember when I saw this as a kid with my mom, I was expecting it to be scary. Mm-hmm. It's not scary. It's not a horror movie. It's not even a thriller per se. It's just this um, not even a mystery. Well, I don't know how you classify it's it. Very unsettling. It's very claustrophobic. Yes. And very disturbing, but you're right. It's it's not. I think it would be scary. more. I think it would be more scary if the Hayes Code didn't exist, and they would have let it have the ending that the book and the play had. Yes. Where and the terrible eighties um, remake. Where mm-hmm. like yeah, where Rhoda lives on, lives like to kill. If that would have been the ending, it would have been way more chilling and such the better ending. But yeah. no, yeah. we haven't gotten there yet. But no, no, no. We have a Deus Ex Machina. 
<laughs> Maybe with the Rob Lowe for Followed lifetime. Followed by some one. hot, sexy spanking. <laughs> oh my oh. God! Oh, the Ew. epilogue. Oh, Once that's again. awful. Once well, you again. know that's got to yeah. be from the play. You know that's how they ended their curtain calls. That's sure. cute. I don't mind. Mm. That. Yeah. I don't mind that. All right. She gives. Oh. oh come on! She didn't deserve a spanking. <laughs> She deserved the little pink chair for girls, the little pink electric chair. Yeah, I would rather see her zapped than spanked in a very short skirt. Once again, ew. Sorry. I just have a bunch of notes that are that all start out with ew. Oh, let's go through those. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm realizing I'm too in love with this movie. I'm too close to it. So I would like to hear some no. ews, please. I have to say, though, I, lo- I love this movie, too. I do love it. I, you know, obviously, it it definitely inspired Moose Head Over the Mantle a lot. Um, but, like, it, there's definitely, like, a lot of little things that I was noticing on the rewatch just of how they were treating her and her using and manipulating her, like, assigned gender role and being very, I don't know, just acting like a widow girl to yeah. manipulate people and then buying into it and then adding on to it, mm-hmm. like saying things like she'll be a good wife or how good she curtsies mm-hmm. or, you know, it's just a bunch of ill stuff. And then I have a whole thing with her drinking so much juice before bed. It's very upsetting to <laughs> me and she doesn't brush her teeth. And I yeah. think that they would just, yeah. they would rot out of her head and yeah. she drinks apricot juice, which sounds gross. And warm apricot juice because it's so good. You don't need the ice. That is in gross. In case she has to do a podcast in the middle of the night because that's professional. Gross. Gross. <laughs> ew, gross. Yeah, I, uh, when I saw it with the gay audience, I realized that in certain scenes, the amount of cocktails getting consumed start to rival oh, George and Martha. How many gin and tonics does daddy have? There's a lot of drinking in this. I was actually looking today when I was watching the movie again, like how much gin is poured into the glass. Uh-huh. Because I was wondering if it was kind of like those thin man martinis, like when they have all the martinis, but the martini glasses are, are bitty as opposed to like our dinner plate martinis size glasses of today. But no, it was a healthy pour each time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of gin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Big old cup of gin. Well, we're still <laughs> celebrating the repeal of, of uh, Prohibition. Prohibition, yeah. There, there... <laughs> True. It could happen again at any moment. No, I got to kick out of that. <laughs> but um, Oh, but right. what I went to say is, but then the movie belongs to the women. Completely. Mm. The guys are... Well, because when the man leaves, there's hysteria. This yeah, is true. but I mean, they're, uh, the women have the best roles. They have, uh, they're the ones that sure. control the women. The guys are, for the most part, not there or just saying... No, or Mr. Daigle. Yeah, wrong. and he's a little schmuck. Yeah. But yeah, no, I was saying this to Alyssa earlier. It's like, I used to think that well, as far as like representation in movies to see like a strong female, we had Sigourney Weaver in Aliens and we had Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs. Uh-huh. I didn't realize we fucking had Patty McCormick in 1956 in The Bad Seed. Uh-huh. I never, that one never like ticked the box. I always started at like 80s and on where we actually saw maybe one or two badass women show up. But no, we had, we had our own psycho killer. Yeah. We need to own her. Sure did. Sure did. Granted, she didn't do nothing on camera because that's just too messy. No, I kind of love that. That yeah. adds more tension. It's kind of like – it's like Jaws. You know, you never really see all the shit that happens. Uh-huh. You just hear about blood-curdling it. screams from the basement. It's right. much more scary than watching him getting burned alive. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I agree. And, of course, if they, you know, we don't need to see the kid getting his head beaten in on the wharf. That would have been terrible. 
No, just the the impressions on his forehead and his hands that that being described, and then you put two and two together that that was the tap on the kid's shoe. Ugh. The and defensive mark. Eileen Eckert has that one line that chills me to the bone every time because it's one of those she turns on a dime thing. He bled before he died. He was such a lovely, dear little boy. He used to say, I was the sweetheart. He's going to marry me when he grew up. Nice laugh, Joe. You'll forget about me long before then. You'll find a prettier girl and you'll marry her. And you know what he said then? No, I won't. Because there's not a prettier girl in the whole world than you are. Why don't you put your hands around me? You don't give a hoot about me. You're a superior person, all that. I'm just... God forgive me. There were bruises on his hands. And that peculiar crescent-shaped mark on his forehead that the undertaker covered up. He must have bled before he died. That's what the doctor said. <sighs> yeah. Which is a terrible thing. I mean, she is so goddamn tragic and wonderful. Like this, a lot of times in movies like this, you don't see the effects yeah. of the crimes that are committed. You don't see. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might get a, a funeral, but then, you know, the movie's got to go on. But that woman is devastated. Right. For life, devastated. Mm-hmm. And it's brilliant. Yeah, she's broken. And But she's not all drunk. She's not all drunk. No, sir. And she could never wear simple things. That broke my heart. Yeah, I can never wear simple things. Mm-hmm. I ain't putting mine in that simple anymore. You can wear such simple things, can't you? I never could wear simple things. I couldn't even buy them. When I got them home, they didn't look simple. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but so during all this, not only is Christine the mom starting to figure out that there's something not quite right with Rhoda, which she already suspects. Right. Mm-hmm. Because when she goes to visit the, the picnic at the Fern School, she asks, you know, does Rhoda get along with the <laughs> other kids? You know, Is she popular? Like Miss Fern's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, she's good. I need to put these favors out so uh-huh. you can go. Oh, my God. I just remembered I left the oven on in the car so i have to so, go oh yeah and my hair is is starting to undye yeah <laughs> oh mrs fern uh-huh so i and i love little touches like that so you go okay so even the kids know maybe they don't have a word for it but they just smell it on her that, that kid ain't right yeah something something yeah. about that girl ain't right Mm-mm. so she knows but on top of that she turns out that mom has quite a big secret as well, well, dun dun dun. Well, the dreams that she always had, the recurring yeah. nightmare, well, the changeling. Her father is a famous uh, writer, journalist, former crime author, but now he works for the government. But he, she's always had this sinking fear that she was adopted. I've always had the feeling that I was an adopted child and that the Bravos weren't my real parents. Oh, you poor innocent darling. Don't you know that the changeling fantasy is the commonest of childhood? Why, I once believed that I was a foundling with royal blood. (laughs) Shut up, Monica. (laughs) Oh, Monica. But then we're learning as it goes on that perhaps it was not a fantasy after all and perhaps... Right. Uh, Rhoda doesn't take after her mom, but after her grandma. Oh, Bessie. The girl that really took the prize was the one you wrote about in that first book of yours. 
You know, the one that pulled all those jobs and they couldn't convict her? Oh, you mean Bessie. Bessie Denker. Most amazing woman in all the annals of homicide. She was beautiful, she had brains, she was ruthless. And she never used the same poison twice, either. Her father, for example, died of rabies, supposedly contracted from a mad dog. It just happened Did that you... all his money went to Bessie. Did you say Bessie Denker? Yes. There, now, we might have struck something. Murderous, poisons, etc., ad infinitum. Oh, Monica, this really is nonsense. Here, let's clear some of these things away. Oh, Bessie. See, the funny Bessie thing, Denker. Here's the thing, too. In my family, I don't know why my mm -hmm. mother has weird sayings that we thought she got from Ireland, but she didn't, so I don't know where they came from. If you were crying a lot and making a scene, she'd call you a Bessie Porridge. A, a Bessie, Bessie Porridge? Porridge? Stop being a <laughs> Bessie Porridge. No, no, Bessie Porridge. Go to your room, Bessie Porridge. What the fuck is that? I don't know. I figured it was an Irish thing, and then it was in Ireland. People are like, who the fuck is Bessie Porridge? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> my mother called me Sarah sayings. Harper. Uh, that was so, my grandmother's name. My great grandmother's name was Bessie. Porridge. <laughs> that was my great grandmother's name. Oh, one around. Yeah. Do we have the same great grandmother? Porridge? That's a really weird name for a grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> Bessie Siegel. No, different yeah. Bessie. Oh, no, of course. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> what? I can see it. Yeah. So uh, Christine is learning things about herself, and also that you know that this thing she's starting to see more and more and more and in her daughter and that it's much worse than she ever expected yeah mm -hmm. she might actually be responsible for it because it was her that passed on the bad seed that's why she's <laughs> punching her uterus <laughs> through those ovaries punch those ovaries <laughs> rip those things right the fuck out by the root and then you wonder like oh maybe she's going back to her roots by going burn them burn those shoes like it, it, it's like a little switch that that goes off in her where, she, where she's helping her daughter cover up the crime yeah yeah just one of my favorite parts Maybe that happened because she punched her ovaries. Oh, and it punched back? Yeah. Oh. It's the, yeah, the ovaries, they punch back. <laughs> they do, man. I'm learning so much today. <laughs> Pussy grabs back. When the ovaries punch back. <laughs> when ovaries attack. <laughs> it's like Shark Week. Yeah. <laughs> really? It can Maybe, be. Yeah, it can be. Anyway, so, sorry. So, what? so is there like a, one of those like diving cage things so you can like take a trip of the fallopian <laughs> tubes and like see the ovaries in safety? <laughs> Exactly. Throw How some chum you know? to them. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening on my show. <laughs> There's no need for chum. We make our own. Oh, God. Oh, what? I, Alyssa, and how dare you say that? And you're the one. Hey. <laughs> you're the one with pages of ooh. You're the one who gets grossed out with warm apricot juice. Can you come up with that? Hey, what? Jeez. I like her. Sorry, Patrick. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that I offended you, Alyssa. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. She's like, don't, don't anyway. reveal my truths. <laughs> I have some mystery. Exactly. Oh my goodness. I'm trying to read my notes and there's such a mess. The cat, I wrote them in felt tip pen and then the cat knocked my drink on top of them. So it's fun. But yeah, like Christine calls her an adroit liar at some point and right. <laughs> so she knows, like she knows this kid. And like, yeah. I always have a saying, moms always know. Yeah. Oh yeah, and she and she always knew. You could tell she just felt it. She had no idea and then how finally, bad it was, but man, you know. Yeah, when that switch is finally hit and she finally sees her daughter for what she is, mm -hmm. it's kind of just like, oh yeah, no, not knock it off, pull this shit on someone else, not me. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, the typical amount of manipulation that a child would do and also that a girl would do at that time, you know, like learning how one behaves as a girl person in the world. In the world. Uh-huh. You knew how much Mrs. Dago wanted that medal, now, didn't you? Yes, Mother, I guess I did. Well, then why didn't you give it to her? She's lost her little boy, Rhoda. She's heartbroken about this. She may never get over it. It may have destroyed her. Well, do you know what I mean? Well, yes, Mother, I guess so. No, you don't know what I mean. But it was silly to want to bury the medal pinned on Claude's coat. Claude was dead. He wouldn't know whether he had the medal pinned on him or not. Oh, I've got the prettiest mother. I've got the nicest mother. That's what I tell everybody. I say I've got the sweetest mother in the world. If she wants a little boy that bad, why doesn't she take one out of the orphan's home? Yeah, you know, Christine's like, all right, yeah, no, no, okay, I got, no, wait, no. (laughs) Well, I mean, you can look at it a different way. It's just a girl trying to make it in 1956 society, man. She's just, she has to get her medal any way she can. And it's not that different than the way that Christine, like, interacts with her dad. It's like working girl, but without the Carly Simon soundtrack. Please continue. Exactly, (laughs) yes. Exactly. <laughs> She's just trying to make her way in the world today. Takes everything you got. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, she's just a girl living in a man's world. She's got to get that medal. Oh, no. <laughs> she yeah. had the best pension. She did. Damn it. Mm-hmm. And she's going to get paid less, so why not let her have the medal? <laughs> <laughs> she's going to get 70% of the medal that everybody exactly. else Exactly. Well, so, explain that yeah. to Hortense, then she'd be like, oh, all right, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't real oh, I didn't realize that Claudia oh. was already the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep the penmanship medal. I'll take the boobs. You're welcome. That's fine. I understand. It doesn't have to be anything good. It can be any little thing. That little thing is fine. <laughs> Write her name on the privy fence. <laughs> oh my oh, god oh, oh yeah oh. oh i wanted to cuddle her when she said that of it was course. just like oh no honey I'm, no no one writes your name on the privy, privy fence. fence no one puts baby in a corner and no one writes your name on a privy fence okay my well, favorite line <laughs> well why not if she <laughs> <laughs> that monica's been spread on couches from new york to yeah. los angeles well her name is breed love <laughs> Yeah. My, when her own brother says, oh, Monica's been spread out on couches from New York to Los Angeles about her being psychoanalyzed uh-huh, all over the place. Freud. What's Freud's big thing? By Freud. Hey, hey. Ooh. Ooh, the cigars. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was a big thing personally, but I just meant it's big issue. Never mind. <laughs> it's, it's just a cigar. Mm-hmm. She's getting psychoanalyzed again? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And again. Yes, she is, and again, and again, and again, and again. But it's very interesting, right? You know, so, so it's a Freudian and the sexuality and, and yep. like, anything that's unbridled in women at the is is just really mm-hmm. could be tied into hysteria and female hysteria. And then before you know it, you're you're braining uh, little boys with your <laughs> shoes mm-hmm. and pushing them into the beer for medals. Right. Off the wharf. See? And the worst part of that is that she got the damn medal. Stop the damn metal. Would have let him go. I and well didn't. <laughs> How did the marks get on the backs of his hands? 
tried to pull himself back on the wharf after he fell in the water. I wouldn't have hit him anymore. Only he kept saying he was going to tell on me. Oh, Mommy, Mommy, please say you won't let them hurt me. Yep. No, you got to hide your I, shit, girl. Uh, there's Mom a scene where she me. comes home after the picnic when, when, when they, they oh, announce on the radio God. that uh, a child has died and Christine's in a panic and then Rhoda comes home and she is just cool as a cucumber. Darling. Mother, we didn't really have our lunch because Claude Dagle was drowned. No, it was on the radio. He was drowned. So then they were all rushing and calling and hurrying to see if they could make him alive again, but they couldn't. So then they said the picking was over and we had to go home. I'm glad you're home. So could I have a peanut butter sandwich and milk? Rhoda, did you see him? Well, yes, of course. Then they put a blanket no, over No, did you see him taken from the water? Yes. They laid him out on the lawn and worked and worked, but it didn't help. Sweetheart, I want you to try to get these pictures right out of your mind. I don't want you to be worried or frightened one little bit. These things happen to us sometimes, and when they do, we simply accept them. Oh, but I thought it was exciting. Can I have the peanut butter sandwich? Well, why, yes, darling. Peanut She's butter like, sandwich. We didn't have lunch. <laughs> yeah, my first note is get that bitch a peanut butter sandwich <laughs> now. And then she's just going to go kill somebody. And then motherfucker's going to go out and go roller skating. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Now, see, that's what ooed me. Not the warm apricot juice, but something about a peanut butter sandwich in 1958. You know, that's really dry. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Peanut butter and jelly. No, no. just peanut butter. That's how you tell she's jelly's psycho. jelly's messy and jelly would like, get on what? her dress and that would be bad. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yuck. When Lee, uh, Leroy confronts her about it, well, you go on roller skating when that boy's out there dead on the wharf. You ain't even sorry. And she just goes, why should I be sorry? Claude got drowned, not me. Hey, and yeah. skates away. Yeah, and la, 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 la. And I love the relationship between her and Leroy because they are kind of birds of a feather. He's not crazy. Oh, right through each other. Yeah, that root is a real smart one. That's a smart little gal. She's almost as smart as I am. She sees through me, and I see through her. Swallow me a frog, but she's smart, huh? Yes, they yes. do. Oh, and I love when she, like, has that, what is it, the packing material Excelsior. and she just, The Excelsior. Yeah, she just reads him to filth. She just, like, throws the Excelsior at him and is like, take this for your bed, because you know you sleep on it. And it's like, whoa. I thought I'd seen some mean little gals in my time. But you're the meanest. You want to know how I know how mean you are? Because I'm mean. I'm smart and I'm mean. And you're smart and you're mean. And you never get caught and I never get caught. I know what you think. I know everything you think. Nobody believes anything you say. You want to know what you've done after you hit him? You jerked the metal off his shirt. And then you roll that sweet little boy off that wharf among them pilots. You don't know anything. None of what you said is true. You no, know, I'm telling the gospel truth. You know, I've got to figure it figured out. You figured out something that never happened. And so it's all lies. Now take your Excelsior down to the basement and put it where you can sleep on it when you're supposed to be working. This girl's just like, fuck politeness. You're going to talk to me weird. I'm going to fucking just 
trash you. It's like they're on the exact same level mm-hmm. the entire time. Mm-hmm. And Leroy plays like a childish little creepy game with authority too, like with Christine. Oh, oh, oh yeah, he, so play, he plays Christine. dumb yeah. with everybody. Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Pembroke, mm-hmm. that old thing. He, just, right. he lets himself into the house and it, like she says, oh yes, I think he only does it when we're awake. <laughs> and that's you one think? of the lines and it's like, <laughs> what the fuck? That's just weird. Bolt that door, bitch. But he and Rhoda, do, got, like they have their little, their thing that they do to make themselves appear mm-hmm, harmless, exactly. which harmless. they are not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And even he doesn't realize how bad she is. He's teasing her about. Yes, about the shoes. About killing, that about killing that, Claude, yeah. not realizing that she actually did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's his fatal mistake. Although, you know, that, yes, whole, that whole stick bloodhound thing, that theory doesn't work. But I have to say, he did, he did foresee the invention of luminol powder. You took that bloody stick and you washed it off real good and you threw it in the woods where nobody could find it. You know, I think you're a very silly man. It was you, a silly, thinking you could wash off blood and you can't. Can't you wash off blood? Because you can't. And the police know it. You can wash and you can wash. And there's always some left. Everybody knows that. I'm going to call the police and I'm going to tell them to start looking for that stick in the woods. They got what they call stick bloodhounds to help them look. And them stick bloodhounds can find any stick there is that's got blood on it. When they bring in that stick you wash off so good, the police are going to sprinkle some special blood powder they got on it. That little boy's blood is going to show up on that stick. Going to show up a pretty blue color like a robin's egg. You're scared about the police yourself. When you say about me, it's all about you. They'll get you with that powder. Yes, yes he did. Had he not burned in that fire, he could have been a millionaire. Yes. (laughs) It could have been called Leroy and all. Leroy and all. Oh, he Leroy. Thinks, he thinks he had a, the boy with the stick. And she keeps saying, everything you're saying is lies, everything you're saying is a lie, because technically, that is. Yep. Yeah. The, yeah. W- even the way she phrased it, she was like, no, I didn't hit him with a stick. I'm not going to hit him with a stick. A stick is dirty. I hit him with my shoe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then he, when he realizes that look of horror on his face is fantastic. He's like, holy shit, you're not, oh my god, you actually yeah. can do it. Who says I got anybody's shoes except both? You did. You get them and give them back. I'm fooling you. I'm teasing you. I got nobody's shoes. I got work to do. Give me back my shoes. I got nobody's shoes. Don't you know what everybody's teasing you? Will you bring them back? Play with your puzzles. I got no shoes. I keep telling you. Will you bring them back? I believe you did it. I was fooling before, but now I believe you kill him. You kill a little boy with his shoes. You've got them hid. But you'd better get them and bring them back here. Right head of me! Yeah, I don't have your shoes, girl. Oh, my God, you killed that kid. Yeah. And they have that line. There's a line from Monica. She's like, I wish sometimes that I had a daughter like... Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I wish would, she were my daughter. I, yeah, and I went, careful what you wish for, Monica. And then I realized, oh, that's the actual ending. <gasps> Can lovebirds live longer than humans? I'll find out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm sunbathing on the roof. Yeah, because in the original version, after Christine's dead, she goes to live with Monica. 
Oh. That makes sense. And she's got an eye on something up there, some bauble, some little knickknack. <laughs> That's worth killing for. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, you know, sometimes you got to knock an old lady down a spiral staircase, <laughs> you know, if you're getting a crystal ball with a fish in it. Rhoda, when we lived in Wichita, Rhoda, there was an old lady who lived upstairs, Mrs. Clara Post. She liked you very much. Yes. And every afternoon you used to go upstairs to visit the old lady, and she used to show you all her treasures. And the one that you admired most was a, a, a crystal ball in which a little fish floated. And old Mrs. Post promised this to you when she died. And then one afternoon when her daughter was out shopping at the supermarket and you were alone with the old lady, she managed somehow to fall down the spiral back stairs and break her neck. You said she heard a kitten meowing outside and went to see what was the trouble and accidentally missed her footing and fell five flights to the courtyard below. Yes, it's true. And then later you you asked her daughter for the crystal ball and she gave it to you and, and it's still sitting on the top of your treasure chest. Yes, Mother. Rhoda, did you have anything... I don't care how small it was. Did you have anything to do with the way God got drowned? What makes you ask that, Mother? Now look me in the eye and tell me the truth, because I must know. No, Mother, I didn't. Oh, my God. <laughs> she flipped, but deliberately. <laughs> there was ice on the stairs. And I slipped. Mm-hmm. I slipped on purpose. I meant to slip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on purpose. What happened to old Mrs. Post in Wichita? There was ice on the steps, and I slipped and fell against her, and that was all. That was all? No. I slipped on purpose. The performance looks simple because so much of it is big, but just the amount of layers that she has to be walking around with this little girl at all times as Mm -hmm. an actor Mm -hmm. is astounding. Yeah. Because, well, I've not seen this. I've seen, what is that? There's a musical called Ruthless. Right. Which is a combination of Gypsy and the Bad Seed and the kid in it. Wasn't Natalie Portman? She sure was, and Britney Spears. Yeah. Both, oh, really? Yeah, both oh. play that role. Huh. Britney Spears in her off-Broadway career. What? I did not know that. What? Wow. What? Huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I've seen a few regional productions of it, and the kid is always what's off. Mm. Because they can't maneuver their way through that kind of a minefield and then I would think too if I was directing this when I found that kid I would be terrified of her (laughs) (laughs) how old was Patty McCormick in the movie how old was she when she played she was 10 when she did the role really wow so when she did the stage production she was probably like the right age Mm -hmm. and then the film like a year and a half later makes sense what a little genius yeah I was reading uh, the director, uh, Marvin Leroy, was saying, are you okay? He was kind of like checking in. <laughs> and then she said, oh, Mr. Leroy, I'm having so much fun killing people. Which well, is... <laughs> I have the best director. I have the, most <laughs> I have the nicest director. director. But, you know, if she's a healthy kid, then she understands that she's playing. She's pretending. Yes. So, oh, yeah. I mean, like yeah. when they interview kids that are doing horror films, they're always like, right. no, I love this part. <laughs> I get I, to pretend. I get to squish this thing, you know, in my fingers and rip its head off. And it's like they're having the best time while all the adults are looking at it horrified. Well, I love that when Leroy's on fire, she just goes and plays the piano like a complete crazy person. It was a flare-up in the basement. Tasker and the rest are putting it out now. But I'm afraid poor Leroy's... Never mind. I saw him. I 
saw him run down the path and die, can there be any worse than that? Seems he fell asleep on a, a bed he made out of excelsior. I suppose a cigarette set fire to the stuff. Please, And it just keeps going, and it's like the musicological symbolism of hysteria. And that builds, just keeps builds, builds and builds. Tell her to stop playing the piano. What is the name of that piece? It's not Claire de Lune, but it sounds like Claire de Lune. It's Claire de Mar or something, I think. It's like by because the ocean. If it was Claire de Lune, I'd be singing, Do you know something, Schroeder? Yeah. <laughs> the way you play the piano. And that would ruin the movie. <laughs> Do you know something, Schroeder? I think the way you feel, Claude Daigle, is. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that it's a maddening piece, and she, the, the mother's just done the music. She just keeps playing the piano. He's screaming. It's part fire. She keeps playing the piano, and Monica's oh, like, I, "I gotta go." Yeah. <laughs> I just remembered. I, I just got any place. I gotta go lie on a couch, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I I love the mother looking out the window at his at um uh Leroy on fire and she's just staring out the window and she's very quiet and she's like it's too late yeah she has it's too late that's what I wrote down I'm like you just watched him burn yeah nobody <laughs> calls the cops nobody calls the fire department nobody got a blanket nobody got water she just watched <laughs> him burn she's just like he's not moving it's <laughs> too late. What's well, shocking? Everybody's in shock. I mean, what are you? <laughs> I just I've love that. I love that William line delivery. So like, <laughs> and she's like super flat about it, and she's just staring blankly out the window. It's great. <laughs> it's a choice, and I support her choice. <laughs> we have jumped all over the place, and I love it. I, I love know it. we did. That's okay. It's a tough one to cover, just because of uh, so many fabulous little nuggets about it and um i said nuggets i know you did <laughs> ew gross. Okay. it turns out that you know uh, her friend reggie christine's friend reggie is writing he was a crime novelist and one of his favorite mm-hmm. murderers is bessie danker right who killed bessie. lord knows how many people and got away with it because you know as you said jury she was take pretty one. look at that little smile yeah so she couldn't possibly have done it and the lovely voice. Uh-huh. And it turns out that Christine is Bessie's daughter. Dun, dun, dun. So it skips a generation. Because that, that's how adoption works. You can just find a kid right. and keep it. <laughs> yeah, you find any kid in an orchard, you can just take it home. I picked that's it. That's like a New York I State law. It. It's a cabbage well, patch kid. I picked it. it exactly. If, if you're it. writing about her mom, I mean, it's okay. But watching it this yeah, time, exactly. Christine that's keeps talking that's about cool. uh, the dream the that she has. Law. Uh, Christine is, keeps talking about the dream where she has, where she, uh, and she starts to remember mm. things. I dream of a bedroom in a farmhouse in a countryside where there are orchards. And I share the room with my brother who's older than I am. And then one night somebody, is it my mother, she comes to take care of him. And <laughs> she's a lovely lady. She's beautiful like an angel. 
And then later, I guess my brother must have died because I'm alone in the room. And then one night, I'm terrified to be in that room another minute. And somehow I get out of bed. It's moonlight. And I get out the window and I drop to the ground below and I hide myself in the deep weeds beyond the first orchard. And then I don't remember very much else except that towards morning, I'm... I'm thirsty. And I begin to eat the yellow pippins that fall from the... from the trees. And then... When the first light comes up on the clouds, I can, I can hear my mother's voice calling to me from the distance and I don't answer her because I'm afraid. Now, is that a dream? Is that only a dream? What name did she call? Well, it isn't Christine. It could it be Ingold. You remember that name? Yes, yes, Daddy. It's coming back to me now, Ingold. Ingold. She's called... Take her! She's remembering running out of the house in the middle of the night and hiding all night and being scared and having to eat flowers off the tree to live. And I realized she was like a baby at that point. How? What yeah. the fuck happened in that house to scare a baby? Yeah, she's two years old running away from a house uh-huh. and that the mother is calling her name and she's terrified to go back. Because that means that she was a witness. Yeah. And to something. And she says, like, at one point, like, well, my brother must have died because he wasn't there anymore. And it's like, what? So Bessie Dankert was kind of based on these. <laughs> yeah. Had, was based on these women who would also adopt children and adopt them, like, really young so they themselves would appear younger. And then, like, put the ads in the paper, like, comely widow seeking man, gentleman of means. Oh, yeah. Trif- yeah. And triflers need not apply. That's right. Bel-, Bel Gunnis, yeah. one of America's first serial killers that was female, Bel Gunnis. I'm sorry. And then- <laughs> I've heard of her before. I've heard about her. Yep. I'm sorry. I heard about her on My Favorite Murder. <laughs> yes. Yes. Bel Gunnis. And then she would kill the kids. Yep. And then have to get new kids because the kids can't get older because then she would ap- appear older, too. Mm-hmm. So maybe... Uh, Angelina the little, Jolie little is Christine doing the was same running thing, away. Mark my words. Oh, <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Every time she drops one, her lips get a little bit bigger. She bathes in the blood of virgins. Someone Hide the called bodies child of my lips. <laughs> Kiss me, Brad. Why the long face? Oh, <laughs> oh sorry. I'm sorry. But um, she'll be fine. <laughs> She'll be fine. I was worried about her for a second there. <laughs> mm-hmm. She'll be okay. She'll weather this storm. I'm sure. <laughs> She'll never forgive me. <laughs> She's never going to text you again. She's never going to call. Mm-mm. We're never going to have lunch. I'm sorry. I didn't so- realize that Angelina Jolie had so many social <laughs> obligations. That was one of my favorite things. I didn't realize Rhoda had so many social engagements. I'll come back <laughs> another time and her calendar's not so full. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Rhoda had all these social obligations. Thought she was just like any little girl that stayed home and minded her mother and didn't go traipsing all over town with important appointments. I'm sorry that I interfered with Rhoda's social life. I offer you my deepest apologies, Christine. I'll apologize to Rhoda, too, when I can have an interview with her. Line always breaks my heart, and I always forget about it because it hurts too much. But I wrote it down this time, and I will never forget it is when, uh, again, we're back to Eileen Eckert as Mrs. Daigle, when her mm. husband shows up and says, Tell Martins, it's time to go home. Oh, my God. 
I was just saying that yeah. to Jesse. Alyssa and just said she that. Just yeah. said, she just had the most lost tone in her voice. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. It's time to go home. I've been there. Oh, and thinking about the two of them sitting in that Alone empty apartment. In that house. You can be out. Yeah. You can be doing things. You can keep yourself busy. You can forget mm-hmm. about whatever it is, but eventually you got to go home. You got to go home. It's waiting for yeah. you. Or not waiting for you in this case. Yep. The, em- mm. the emptiness is there. The darkness of the home. And yeah. She was nominated it for an Oscar for this role, as was uh, Patty and uh, Christine. Mm-hmm. Ladies got an Oscar nomination. None of them won. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, Eileen Fixed. wins one eventually if her butterflies are free. Eileen Eckhart wins like two. 70s. Yeah. I, I actually love that story. Mm. It's, it's so 70s, but I love that story. But I always enjoy when Eileen Heckard shows up in anything. Uh, for those of you who don't know who she is, we've talked about her before. She was in Burnt Offerings, which is a fabulous movie, fabulous haunted house movie with Betty Davis. And she's, oh my God, she is in that. Yeah, she's Sorry, the one at the beginning. I just thought children are, very, children are very good for the house. <laughs> there are centuries in this room, centuries, brother and I. Yeah, she's wonderful. She's only in one scene and walks away with the movie again. That's what she does. <laughs> Yes, that, that is what she does. She definitely – she does it with this one. Shut up, Burgess. Don't, you don't have to do your lines, Burgess. I got this. And here we go. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Daigle. Are you still here? Hold on. I got another three pages of great stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why don't you hold on a mo? I got this. I caught something this time. She mentioned something about her face being like Ned in the Primer. Mm. I got a face like Ned in the Primer, so I Googled it. And now what I know the, what it is. Uh, what is in the uh, school reading texts, one of the companions of Dick and Jane back in the day were Ned and Nancy. Oh. And Ned was the goofus to Nancy's gallant. Gallant. Oh. Yeah. And he had he had a since he was the rambunctious one, he had a face that was like, well, that, that you know, that the type of person. Ned's name got written on the privy fence, I would say. Oh. Poor Ned mm. and Hortense. Poor, Poor fictional Hortense. characters. Oh, yeah. being a hairdresser and yeah. I'm not a very superior person. I can hear a very superior person. Yeah. Well, and she's the one who actually points out the class structure that's right. being like, you know, that you don't really realize it until that first scene. With Hortense when she shows up saying, pointing out how like rich these people are. You have everything. You have everything, which then just highlights later, like you realize that Rhoda has every advantage possible. Right. She's, you know, she's white, she's in a rich family, and she's still a psycho killer. And she has a mommy and daddy. She has a mommy and a daddy. And a perfect curtsy. You can get you and a perfect- that'll get you a lot of places. And braids that could give you a headache. Yes, and bangs for days. Yeah, yeah, that was the, her hair was a little intense. Maybe it's that her, a little? her hair was braided too tight. Maybe that's it. So it's a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. It caused that part of the brain to just not develop completely because those braids were just so tight. Too much I, stress on the cerebral cortex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, I think that would really screw with my empathy. Get that kid a perm. Sure, try it. <laughs> <laughs> we can perm you and then I'll braid you. And then we'll see what happens to your Four brain. local hairdressers <laughs> went missing this week. 
<laughs> it's kind of like Frankenstein, but at the beauty parlor. That okay? Another idea. <laughs> Frank Putting and Weave. Hopper. <laughs> Frank and Weave. <gasps> Ooh, Frank and Curl. Oh, Frank and Weave. Done and done. Next. <laughs> <film>. Copyright. <laughs> <laughs> Alyssa, get ready. It's alive and full of body. <laughs> It'll be yeah. fine after you wash it when you get home. Really? <laughs> yeah. well. You just need to brush it out. You just need to brush it out. <laughs> I snorted. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I think we can wrap this up. We've, we've been all over the place, and that is okay. I don't mind that. Let's play this game. I haven't played this game in a while. Alyssa. No. What? <laughs> Alyssa. High point, low point of the bad seat. High point, low point, well, I think would be... Oh, my God, uh, shut up, Alexa. I, Sorry, Alexa's chiming in. I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> Wait, did you say Alexa or Alyssa? I said Alyssa, but then Alexa chimed in. Oh. Well, if you want to know what I think, I like the part. <laughs> yeah. Eileen I Heckard, I mean, for me, that that's that's the high point and from what we were talking about. And the low point, I can never get into movie music. That old da-da-da-da, just... Mm-hmm. I I just go out of the picture, so that's it. But but that's just a. So you would prefer a nice like Ira Glass? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Some Tangerine Dream. Deconstructed. No. I was like, don't tell me how to feel. <laughs> don't dictate to me my feelings, my emotions. Yeah, no, it's just. Uh, yep, it's, that's valid. Uh, that's valid. You're in, that is that, that is that, that Thank is. you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to try and justify it anymore. <laughs> Please stop because um, you were doing a terrible job. But anyway. I know. <laughs> I know. Let's see if Jesse can play better. I'm just kidding. I'm yeah, terrible. let's see if you can do better. No, I can't. I already fail. My my high point, I want to say the same thing because really she just copied. Fucking Hortense stomps in there and just takes a hold of the entire film mm-hmm. and then walks the fuck away with it. It's the most human. Like you said earlier, like you really see the effect of violence on a person's soul and heart and, and brings it home of what happens when somebody does something wrong, somebody else gets hurt. And even, even conveying it through a more heightened acting style, it still plays and it's still flawless. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it just fucking works. Yeah. Um, so I, I will try not to steal that and say high you can point. Yes. And that. I, I yes end you. I yes end you. Um, but okay, high point. Fuck, you know what? It's got to be that hair. That hair is a high point. It's always pulled me in. It's so upsetting the entire time to look at that 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 really scary white blonde hair and those braids and just follow that around and with everything that goes along with what all of that represents. I have two low points. I'll be quick. Sort of. But the low point I would say is the fucking Hayes Code ending. That's the that's yeah. the thing that bugs me the most about it is the fact that in the end the right. mother oh, um uh, uh, actually, uh, before you go any further, could you explain mm-hmm. to the listening audience who might not know what the Hayes Code is was? Um, the Hayes Code uh was basically a set of rules that the Motion Picture Association or later became the Motion Picture Association. Um, applied to all the films that came out. I think it's like from ni- from 1930 
to 1970 something or 1965. Yeah, it was, there were all yeah, these it, was, strict- it was probably in the 60s. It wasn't as late as the 70s, but please continue. Yeah, like they stopped they started being ignored in the in the in the 60s, but like they were really sternly enforced throughout the 50s uh and the 30s, 40s and 50s. Um and one of them was that crime can't pay. Right. So in any film where someone commits a crime, they have to be shown, uh, you know, going to jail or dying or something like that. Like they have to, you know, reciprocity. Suffering for their crime. Right, yeah, they right. have to suffer for their crime. The good guys always That's- have to win. The bad guys always have to be punished. Exactly. And because that was morals. one of the rules. Exactly. Yeah. Morals. Basically, it's a set of moral, random moral codes that were being applied to all the films that came out during that uh, time period. And... Um, so they had to change the ending um, of from the the book and the stage play, which was initially that the mother commits suicide. She she gives Rhoda a handful of sleeping pills with awful apricot juice that doesn't have ice in it, and um, shoots herself in the back bedroom, which is another thing we don't see; we just hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is supposed the mother is supposed to die, and Rhoda lives. That's supposed to be the ending. Mm-hmm. And in the film and, and version... Goes on and, go, and gets taken in by Monica. And gets taken in by Monica to, to kill again. Yeah. Exactly. And um, in the film version, we're left with the mother living through getting through shooting herself in the head. <laughs> um, who, when we actually see her she wrapped up... She looks lovely. Well, with she that punched gunshot herself hard enough in the ovaries... <laughs> that it made her head pop back. Right. Um, and she's wrapped up so lovely, like it's a headscarf. Mm-hmm. Like the bandages wrapped around her head. It lifts everything, it too. Lifts, her tightened, tightened. Are, yeah. Everything's tightened, and her brows are so much higher. Um, but, like, so she, the mom ends up being fine in the end of the movie, um, wrapped and lovely in bed. But Rhoda is then skipping along because she finds out mommy's going to be fine and she's home with daddy. Ugh, I can't. Mm -hmm. Um, And she goes out because the mom told her she threw the metal off the pier. And um, so Rhoda wants that goddamn metal, so she skips off. Hey, she at, in she the put night. in the work for that metal. Maybe maybe it's not the the traditional way of going, <laughs> but she thought outside right. the box. She she earned it. She did earn it technically. So she skips off in the middle of the night when in a rainstorm, a, you know, a horrible, horrible rainstorm. This is one of the one of the few shots we actually see outside, besides like a little bit of the picnic and stuff throughout. But she skips off and goes to the pier to get that damn metal back while mom's in the hospital. And while she gets to the pier, a bolt of lightning comes down and strikes her dead. Like nature has taken over to, you know, rectify this situation of this aberrant child. And that's bullshit. It should have been, you know, Rhoda carrying on and killing. And, you know, mom could live or die, personally, my opinion. But Rhoda should have lived to kill another day. Mm-hmm. So that's the only that's the only like, you know, it, well, it is such a it, ridiculous ending. And the fact that Rhoda's going back for the penmanship medal, which I think at this point. Would be yeah. Moot. Yeah, I think she's good. She's like, yeah, all right. I don't get that, but Whatever. that's fine. It's wet now. <sighs> I don't want to go in the she rain. Would not be going out in the rain either. No. That's the other thing. She would never she go out. She had a raincoat. She had her hat. Right, but she wouldn't and do that. Brothers. She would, the yeah, brothers. she would get dirty or some shit. Like, she has that OCD thing where she needs mm. to be clean, and she, yeah, I'm sure she would never go out in a rainstorm like that. 
Um, it just feels, you know, off to have that be the ending. Mm. Yeah, somebody thought of that literally in 30 seconds. Yeah. yeah. We just cut these 10 pages and we write two sentences and Rhoda goes to the pier gets hit by lightning then. Well, evidently they had five different endings typed up and they didn't tell anybody what the real ending, what the ending was going to be. They left, they left that section of the script. Like they kept it from all the actors. No one who worked on the film hmm. had the end of the script except for like the director. And they, cause they wanted to keep it a secret. And then on the day of shooting, they got the pages. So there was all these fake pages, fake endings that were, that, that were created. And then on the day of filming, all the actors got the pages of what the real ending was going to be. So we had five different endings. And we chose that. And that was the best one. And that was the, the best cheap, one. That was the cheapest one. Because I think so, yeah. yeah was one pass he showed up in this like motorized like, forklift thing to fight Rhoda. That <laughs> <laughs> when they got Godzilla from the other set. <laughs> Get away from me, sense. you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so those are, that was my up and that was my down. Okay. That's fair. Um, my down for this, really, I, I don't know why I just can't stand Monica and I think part of it is that in my mind I think that she's the Lamour Lamour woman from the women and she's not and it bothers me <laughs> how dare you not be that woman that you're not <laughs> uh, just that, that she's, she's just a little bit too big for me that whole stuff is so flouncy and she, the character's so bossy but I mean I guess it's supposed to be but I don't care for it probably because she reminds me of certain relatives of mine well, it is irritating when she just bounces in. Yeah. Yeah. Motherfucker just rolls into the she house. She just rolls in with her Ethel Berry more. So, yeah, it is. And and she's annoying. always and she's always an info dump. She comes in to deliver right. all this information and she speeds through. Like she knows that some of her lines are bullshit. So she just runs through them as fast as fucking possible. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I have a recurring character in horror movies. Like one of my trope characters is creepy old exposition guy. That's her. <laughs> yes. She's not yes. creepy, and she's also there to drop off gifts every now and then. Yes. <laughs> and make hasn't Christine feel bad Hasn't been a murder around here since. Yeah, there hasn't been a murder, murder here, here since 1968 when all those campers went missing. <laughs> you don't want to go with roller skating in that avo? It's got a death curse. <laughs> yeah, it's got a death curse. Everything has a death curse. <laughs> It was 20 years ago this very night. <laughs> I remember. Like it was, it was yesterday. yesterday. <laughs> Sometimes you can still hear her shoes clickety-clacking, clickety-clacking, clickety-clacking. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's my, my downside. I think what I enjoyed this more is watching clo- more closely how subtly manipulative the character of Rhoda is. There's that scene where Miss Fern shows up Mm-hmm. Um, to talk to Christine about whatever. It, it's after uh, Claude is drowned. And she starts to tell Christine how Rhoda was chasing Claude around and grabbing at his shirt. And Rhoda yeah. comes out and stands there, does a perfect curtsy. Hello, Miss Fern. <laughs> well, like, I love that this part. This is not because, a like... random entrance. I am exerting my power. I'm reminding you of my presence. The right. second they say the word metal, the piano stops. 
That's the one thing that I remember noticing this time through when I watched it. Uh-oh. The second the word metal is mentioned. One of her brains picked up like a dog's ear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The word metal is said and the piano dead stop. Two seconds later, she shows up and does her curtsy. Mm-hmm. And, but, and the whole thing, it's a whole um, feel of menace to it. Too. She's looking her dead in the face. Good morning, Miss <laughs> yep. Please continue with what you were saying, Miss Fern. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go sit out in the Shalubaloo Arbor, whatever the hell she said about that arbor. I don't know yeah. what word she's putting in there. Yeah, I had no idea. I the couldn't. The Beef Arbor, <laughs> where you can see me from the window. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Huh. And you'll see, but you won't see me cutting the brakes on your car, Miss Fern. Miss <laughs> Fern. Why don't you eat a bag of dicks, Miss Fern? <laughs> she didn't say that. No. I'll give didn't you a basket though? of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> if I give you a basket of dicks. <laughs> well, what do, you th- you- what do you think the favors that Miss Fern was putting on the table at the picnic were? That's what that was. There was a basket of dicks in this film. And rosemary for remembrance. <laughs> it was a symbolism that yes. foretold. Exactly. Death foretold. Parsley, sage, rosemary, and dicks. Yeah. No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Go back. <laughs> it, it doesn't roll from the tongue. Because oh, well. oh. hmm. if you're going to Scarborough, no. Yeah, Never no. Mind. Never mind. doesn't. No. No. <laughs> So this yeah. got weird, ladies. Yeah. And I liked it. <laughs> Just, <God>. Okay, <laughs> so before we wrap up, I think we can put the bed seat to bed for now. Did you ever see the remake? No. It's no, terrible. I... I forget who the mom is, but they cast this little brunette girl who's just blah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you can't be blah when you're we, in we that We tried part. to make it more real. Hmm. So we took out all of the theatricality, and she just comes off as... But it does have the real ending. Oh, are we going to watch the Rob Lowe one? What? For Lifetime. Rob uh, Lowe. Oh, you no. don't know? Yeah. Is he Christina? He's going to punch himself in the ovaries? He's going to play, play Christina. He is yeah. playing. It, Christina. Yeah, he's directing Monica, it. Monica, Monica, I didn't pee on that girl in the video. Oh, wait, no, that was, that was <laughs> no, he just had, he had, never mind. He had the sex tape with the young girl, but didn't right. pee on yeah. it. Sorry, yeah, so no. many scandals to keep. No, different, that's, different that's R. Kelly. Yeah. R. Kelly, R. Kelly. Oh, R. Kelly. I was like, yeah. who's R. Kelly? No, no, like, R. Kelly. R. Kelly. You know, R. R. Kelly. R. Kelly from our town. <laughs> right, yeah. Exactly. R. Kelly. With the P. With the urine. And the kid. Oh. Wow. Well, oh. mm. I thought she was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what R. Kelly sounds like. Mm-hmm. I know, it's eerie. I channel him sometimes. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah, we didn't see the remake. And so tell me, Rob Lowe, Lifetime. Yes. So that's, <laughs> that's how really no, casting. no other casting with Judith Light no. as Rhoda. No, it's a oh. one, it's a one man. It's a one man. Oh, he's gonna play Rhoda. He's gonna have and the blonde. He's gonna have the braids, <laughs> and then he's gonna be the colonel. Then he's gonna be oh Monica walking in. Blah, blah, and I hit myself with my shoe. I hit it. I hit him. <laughs> so in the end, it's just going to be like Ro- a gif of Rob Lowe hitting himself in the head with a shoe. <laughs> Like, is that what the movie's going to be? spanking himself. Yes. <laughs> I, I'd watch that. I would, too. Yeah. 
But no, they don't have anyone. The the girl's not cast. The there's no one else. But he's gonna no, he's, he's gonna take over it. the Christine role. Yeah, he's directing it, and he's gonna do the Christine. So, Is he gonna be playing a woman? Okay, okay. So yeah, that, single dad. No, no. It doesn't work with the dead. Hmm. It doesn't. No, but no. Tell Rob. So he punches that. his wife in the ovaries. <laughs> Damn your eggs! Oh, they're scrambled. Bang! Bang! Oh. Bang! Oh. oh. What? Is it something I said? Well, we're just—it's writing itself. Which we're just—we're just, we're just yeah, coming up with five possible endings, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they'll pick the most lifetime one. Oh, they'll just get her on like. Pro and Rob Lowe will get hit by lightning. Yeah. <laughs> and he's directing it. And he's directing it. Okay, I read it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I can't wait. I, neither can I. With bated breath, I wait. Well, that must be very exciting for him, as they say in the South, which is an insult. <laughs> yeah. Well, that must be so interesting for ye. Bless his heart. You must be so proud. <laughs> I remember Mm-mm. when he had a career years ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're, oh, we're going back to your movie. Yes, okay. So we're going to be segue back from the bed seat oh, into uh, the said on the mantle because – as I said, there is that bit of a bad seed element in one of the eras that tied both of these movies together very nicely, even though we've handled them completely incoherently. <laughs> Hopefully it is not. No, trust me, because I was getting nervous that I was going to lose track of everybody because you had introduced somebody. Oh, fuck. Oh, wait. It's another era? Yeah, oh, fuck. Wait, wait, fuck. Who? And then other eras were talking about people in previous eras, but you hadn't met them yet. But then eventually it all just came together. Yeah. But you had to pay attention. Slow burn. Well, and I, I hate it when movies like really I hate it when movies like dumb down shit for the audience or they repeat something like 50 million times for you to get it. Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes just, you know, in order to, you know, I need something to keep my attention. Don't tell me something 50 times. I'll get it. Mm-hmm. You know, so this yeah, one is a little bit of a t- you see some bad things happen to people without really knowing who they are yet, but you find out later and it makes it worse. I'm thinking of the ninth, the uh, the prohibition party one. Oh, mm. so like, oh yeah. Who was that? It was a fabulous character that just came in and was fabulous and is now dead. <laughs> but then, went, oh, that's who that is. We had a mention of her. Mm-hmm. And everything ties say, together. Yeah, go feed it. Mm. Oh God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Well, <laughs> one of my favorite it. lines. The chickens Delivered ate better than that girl did. <laughs> <laughs> I check the chickens. That was more. That was more Charlotte Ray. <laughs> we you don't know, have any chickens. Yeah, uh, uh, Alyssa <laughs> plays um, a fake medium in the movie, and I loved every second of it because you know we first Thank meet her. You. She's doing one of her stances, and I'm like, wow, wow. Alyssa's giving this both barrels. Wow, wow. This character is really over the top. And then as soon as the sense was over, I said, oh, there she is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought this was kind of an on-the-nose choice for Alyssa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to – you guys do the work. I'm going to be sitting here on the sofa drinking my booze. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did write it for her. Uh- <laughs> and you knew she was going to be doing that anyway. Yeah. Hey. What? <laughs> my character research. <laughs> I always write for Alyssa in all my movies. Thanks. Aw. Yeah. Oh, you didn't know that Alyssa was in other horror movies, right? No, I this did not. This is a new discovery for you? Uh-huh. Because she keeps She's secrets. In... 
Anniversary Dinner. Go. Oh, Anniversary Dinner is a short film. Alyssa is brilliant in that. I can send you a link so you can see it. It's that not you up wrote. anywhere. Um, um, they Will Not Live Us All. Thank you. <laughs> that was you're her like, first. You're like my mom. What are you doing? Because I'm so proud of you, darling. <laughs> Get your hair out of your face. <laughs> Patrick can't see your beautiful eyes. Um, or can I? Oh. <laughs> um, Oh yes, they won't live us all is another one Alyssa's in, and she is feature. She's she's wonderful in that, and that is on Amazon. You can actually check that out. Oh, fantastic! Okay, I uh, and anniversary dinner was on Tokyo. They will outlive us all. You say? Yep, it's called They Will Outlive Us All. Yes, they will outlive us all. Uh, so, where can people find out more about you, Jesse, and Moosehead Over the Mantle? Well, you can go to the website, which is themooseheadoverthemantle.com which is put out by uh, my film company, Inappropriate Films, which also has a website, inappropriatefilm.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can follow us on Facebook at Inappropriate Films and on Twitter at Inappropriate F and Alyssa. Oh, an Inappropriate F? Inappropriate F. That sounds borderline obscene, and I like it. It sounds yeah. so filthy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and Alyssa, what have you got coming up? Underpants Godot. Oh, really? I've never heard of it. What's it about? <laughs> Sounds like a bunch a- of hacks. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a bunch of cute boys in their underpants and a theater director played by the marvelous Patrick uh, trying to just get asses in seats. And uh, I play a representative of the Beckett estate coming to shut it down and hilarity ensues. We are both yes. sides of the same coin who despise yet somehow love each other. Will these two kids make it work? And that's uh, March 12th through the 15th at the Secret Theater. Oh, my God. It's March 12th? Oh, God. I thought it was later. God damn it. I got to learn that script again. So many words. Oh, yeah. That's coming up soon, guys. Yeah, we have rehearsal. Oh, great. And um, in between that, uh, I'm at Gallery Players uh, doing Plaza Suite, complete 360, Neil Simon. Or is it? <laughs> <laughs> Or is it? Why? Why? Exactly. Wow. So, yeah, so you have to come and see the show. <laughs> All of that's been cut, so that won't be happening. Exactly. <laughs> no, I'm um, thrilled that we're doing yeah. it again. I love this little piece. I do, too. I'm so happy to do it again. Because uh, every time we close, I'm like, damn it, that was the thing I never thought of doing, and now I can do it. This is how I can really take Alyssa down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, all we do is spar, and so much of it is silent. Ooh, a nice silence with our eyes. Like, what the hell those time filler things when people on the other side of the stage are talking? We're like, hello, we're the important characters. Why is anyone else? <laughs> no, it's going to be great. I'm very happy. Yes. And uh, after that, I'm doing a play called The Last Bar at the End of the World at Urban Stages, April 10th through the 15th. And that's written by Dean Haspiel, who's a pretty well-known comic book artist. Oh, Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, that all sounds very cool. And where can people find out more about you? At alyssasimon.com. Fabulous. Alyssa, Jesse, thank you very much for joining me on this very special month of Ladies in Horror. Yay! Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. It was wonderful to have you back on a month where I wasn't contractually obligated. (laughs) Okay. That's the status quo. Thanks. (laughs) No, but best of luck with Moosehead Over the Mantle. I love it. Everybody go check that out. Find it, find it, find it. I'd say it's a buy if you like your movie smart. Anyway, and if you want to see this Alyssa's hair that I'm talking about that's so crazy. Anyway, I'm (laughs) I'm overtired. Words are not even coming out anymore, which means good night. 
Thank you very much. And don't forget, keep it creepy. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to make that a thing and it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> keep it creepy. Die, Baron. Die Baron. <laughs> <laughs> So since this is a longer episode, we're not going to be doing voicemail this week. So that's going to wrap this puppy up for another episode. Now, I know some of you have had voicemail that have been waiting for a long time since I didn't get to them the last voicemail episode because I was sick and I had to get something out in a hurry. But I will get to them last next time, rather. And a lot of them had to do with this whole grand larceny thing that I'm still going through and it's still a nightmare and the amount of red tape you have to wade through just to prove that you're a victim is ridiculous. I can't get a copy of my own police report from the New York Police Department. Apparently I have to work for the government to get a copy of my police report but Bank of America needs a copy of my police report from me in order to prosecute things and to get these charges taken off my bill. So it's this whole catch-22 and I'm wading through endless red tape and hopefully this week that's going to come to a conclusion, but enough about that for now. So, before we go any further, Jesse Ghana wanted me to make sure I made a few things clear in case they were not clear in the discussion uh, that, well, we talked about other projects that Jesse had worked on, and cre- she wants to make sure that credit is given where credit is due. She had mentioned her movie, They Will Outlive Us All, which is available on Amazon Prime, and she wanted to make it clear that she did not direct it, that Patrick Shearer directed that one even though she wrote and produced it. And also the movie, The Anniversary Dinner, was directed by her, but she co-wrote it with Brian Silliman and not just her alone. So thank you, Jesse, for clearing that up. Thank you for for making sure everybody gets the proper nods that they should get. That is really cool, because me personally, I would just suck up all the credit myself. But that's what I do here. It's my show. (laughs) So next time... What we're going to be doing, I'm going to be trying to do some catch-up here. I'm going to be doing a crep shoot review of the movie Don't Hang Up, which is available on Amazon Prime if you want to play along at home. And I'm going to try once again to get Kitty Hendricks on to talk about her audiobook, Bite Club, A West Hollywood Vampire Story. I have been screwing that poor woman around for so long between scheduling problems and repeating illnesses. I feel terrible at this point, but she's a great person and I'm sure she will forgive me. And if not, we'll find something else that's fabulous to do. And then for the second episode of the month, we are going to be joined once again by that glorious married couple who hosts the Killing Your Darlings podcast. And I'm talking about the glorious Kristen Petty and her fabulous husband, Dan Cohen. And we are here to talk about the original Wicker Man. Oh, yeah, that's going to be good because, you see, they only know the Nicolas Cage one. And I know they're going to have their minds blown because, you know, as I said to Kristen, you do realize it's a full-blown musical. And she's like, you're lying to me. I'm like, well, you're in for a surprise, girl, because it is. And also there's people fucking in the streets, which did not happen in the Nicolas Cage one. No. (laughs) You just can't. People getting punched by bears. Whatever. I got nothing. I got nothing. So that's what's coming up in the pike. So if you want to get some voicemails into the show, if you want to contact me, if you've got questions, if you've got ideas, if you've got anything, if you've got complaints, you've got, you know, I don't know, whatever obscene phone calls, you can get them to me by picking up your phone and dialing 917-720-2047. 
or if you're old-fashioned, you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And as always, that's Queens with a Z. You can find me on Facebook by doing a search on Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. I'm on Twitter at Scream Queens. I'm on Instagram at Scream Queens Podcast. And be sure to download that Radio Public app and listen to the show there and help make a little kachinka chinka for the show. And also, all of your favorite shows that you can find on there. If they're on that app, they are a part of the program. You can help support independent podcasts who are struggling to find sponsors. And that's a really cool thing to do. So Radio Public app, download it, check it out, listen there. Also, keep an eye out this weekend. I think I'm going to do it on Sunday, Sunday, March 3rd, probably at 2 or 3 o'clock. We're going to be doing another one of those fun group screenings. And we're going to be watching the 1956 classic, The Bad Seed. So if you haven't seen the movie yet... Now you can watch it with all of your Scream Queens friends and quote along and have a great big party at the same time. And that, of course, as always, is free. Keep an eye out on the Facebook page for that and on Twitter and Instagram. We're putting all the information there as it arises. So I think that's it. Oh, and of course, get your tickets to Underpants Cadeau. Get on over to the Scream, uh, the secrettheater.org and get your tickets. And I put out the wrong dates before. It's March 12th through the... 14th. So it's only three shows. So you don't have a lot of chances. So get your butts in those seats now and let me entertain you. Let me make you cringe. Because let's just say, as I was saying to listener Jason last night, this is the first time we're not performing the underpants Godot around the summertime. So I am winter white. So when I'm running around in a state of undress, I am going to be blinding. I hope the Secret Theater is going to be supplying protective goggles because, oh my, that white boy is white. So, until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, continue to make the world a creepier place. You're really good at it, so keep it up. You're amazing. And, of course, never, ever, ever forget the Scream Queen's golden rule. Fight or flight, survive the night, make it to the final reel, baby. And you keep that penmanship medal for yourself. You know you deserve it. You know you do. Fuck Claude Daigle. Bye. I go hunting for witches. Heads up, go to roll. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches!